big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking about resisting feelings. And we're really focusing more on children resisting feelings rather than adults mm. because we have had a lot of people coming in and saying, what do I do? My Everyone's now like, I want to help my child cry and express <laughs> their feelings. How do I help them do that? Yes, yes. It's a good topic, isn't it? And I think it's something that pops up a lot. When people understand the theory, they then go, oh, actually my child's not doing that and how do we support that? So it's a beautiful, beautiful topic to talk about. So thank you to one of our listeners for asking the question. Before we jump in, Marion, how are you? How's 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 life treating you? Oh, you got a new little baby. <laughs> Sorry, you should tell that, but I'm just saying that. Okay, we've got a little puppy baby in our family arrived last night, very synchronistically in all kinds of wonderful things. So um that's so exciting. I'm so happy seeing mostly my son and daughter, the joy, the absolute joy seeing them playing with her. Actually, we can just hear them now. Um, my other dog, Feather, Feather the Frenchie is not so happy at this moment, but I'm so willing for him to soon be completely in love as well. Yeah, you're going to have to do some attachment play with him. <laughs> um, yeah, we need to do the his mind game, clearly, Feeling a little bit Might unsure. need to listen to like, some of his feelings I've around had, having a new baby. <laughs> I've been talking to him, I've been saying all the things. We still love you, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and as you it. know as well, I had my uh, my new course, my web parenting marrying course. Um, we were just sharing about that, all the big feelings I had coming up to the first um, the first Facebook Live. So I've been really loving that and had the most people ever sign up for it. And I'm just so loving, loving, loving that. I feel so excited thinking about it. So mm. It's been a week of a lot of happy joy and excitement feelings in our family mm, that's beautiful <laughs> that's so nice isn't it that's so beautiful so beautiful. I'm so happy to hear that for oh, you thank you lovely so good how's so good. your week been since we chatted since last? we last spoke it's been um god I can't even remember what I did yesterday it's been great it has been good I got to do a beautiful training at my school on Tuesday with our teachers when they want to come and work at our school we, we take them through a whole training and every time I do it it just it really makes me so happy. I'm saying hi to some of the teachers who are there because they listen to the podcast. So I'm like, hello, <laughs> lovely ladies. It was so nice to connect with you. Um, it's really, it makes me so happy that what we're doing at our school is really based around so many of these philosophies and around not only listening to the kids' feelings and seeing the beauty in them, but also making sure we do our own work as adults and looking at our reactions and our responses and how we can support ourselves. And it just, every time I do that training, it just, it blows me away that we built something so amazing <laughs> that that really holds space for this. It really does feel incredible. So that was very joyous and wonderful. And um, 
know what else? I've been just doing some work this week around teenagers, as in talking to parents and stuff around teenagers. And it's just reminding me about how challenging the teenage years can be with our teens, you know, navigating big stuff and how it can tap us into our own things. And yeah, I've been holding a bit of space for parents who've been na- navigating big stuff with their teens. So yeah, it's, that's that's where I've been in the moment this week has been a lot around teenage stuff going on. So yeah, big love to all those parents who are who are sitting in that space with their teens at the moment and it feels challenging because it can be really big. So, yeah, I love teenagers though. I love them so much. I feel like they're so misunderstood, you know, and I feel like we need to just remember, you know, they're trying so hard to figure out who they are in the world and they're responding to their environment and so often their environment isn't supportive of who they need to be. So, yeah, sending a whole lot of love to, to them. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mm. yes, 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 yes. All right, let's jump into this. This is a great topic, this resisting feelings. Where should we start, Marion? Let's start. Do you want to start with where the, the why around why children might resist feelings? Well, unfortunately, and this is where we always come back to ourselves first. It's always, it's always, whenever we want to look at our children, the the, the invitation, I, we, I think we probably both agree, is always, the invitation is always to look at ourselves first because um, most of the reasons why children aren't expressing their feelings easily and effortlessly is because of the culture that they live in, which is really set against aware parenting. So I really want to acknowledge that all of you are watching. Like it's, we live in a culture that demonizes feelings and demonizes the body and does not trust children. Um and also, unfortunately, it's mostly because we distracted them or we didn't realize that they had feelings in the, with the most loving of intentions. We thought they had a need or we distracted them. We thought they were hungry, so we fed them. We thought they needed to move, so we jiggled them or you know, did stuff to them. Or we thought they needed to play, so we sung them songs or we shushed them. You know, we, did, we do all kinds of things. And of course we do. So as always, what I want to say, and I know, Lau, that's what you stand for too, is we offer this information not as another opportunity to judge yourself, to pick up the sticks, as I call it, not not pick up more emotional sticks for more reasons to feel guilty, to judge yourself. No, it's this is so normal and natural in this culture. Like we are living in the sea of a culture which is set against feeling feelings. But the more we understand and start to see the ways that we have unwittingly distracted them or suppressed their feelings or just not understood and it's always from either a lack of understanding we just didn't understand that actually what they really needed was to have a really big cry and tell us about some really big feelings so we did other stuff Um, or we didn't have the emotional availability to actually listen so the more we can really see that as the first place because so often we can go again like okay I want to why isn't you know my child sucking their thumb all the time or my child just wants to eat biscuits all day long or whatever the thing is? And we again, we focus on them. But really, if we haven't shifted the main reason why we distracted them, not only the information piece, but actually why did we do all those things? Because really, if we're going to listen to their feelings, we need to really have what is required to actually be able to listen. So what I often like to say to people is, who are saying, you know, I want my child to cry more is, okay, if you imagine them now coming in, whatever age they are, whether they're two or 18, and actually just really just going through some really big crying and crying and healing is not quiet. Generally, it's big and it's loud and it's often got a lot of physical movement. 
and you know maybe for an hour just having a massive cry or even for 20 minutes what shows up in you because often it's that thing that shows up in us that's actually preventing them because it's preventing us being able to move in and of course we're going to share um you know uh, practices and things you can do on a tangible level but the initial thing is what is it in us is there anything in us basically that's actually not really able or willing to listen right now that's the first thing always to attend to mm, that's beautiful explanation there and uh, you know I I, well, as I've shared on this podcast before, I came to aware parenting when my kids were a bit later or a bit older. So as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, that was me. I didn't know what to do with my kids when they were upset when they were little. So I just distracted them all the time or I just tried to keep them happy all the time. So look at this shiny thing. Where about that? Or do you want something to eat? Or, yeah, breastfeed more. Or I just constantly was trying to distract them from any upset because I just didn't know how to be with upset in my Self. And what was interesting is when I finally came across Aletha Salter's work and then I started working with it myself, that particularly with my older two children, instead of kind of moving into the distraction and that kind of stuff, in the beginning, when they started to get upset, it's like they would look at me like, aren't you going to fix this or what are you doing? Like it took quite a bit of time before they could really trust, oh, okay, I can tell you how I feel about this. So there was this, there was like this dance that went on for a little while where I'm energetically trying to go, okay, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I was doing the best I could. Um, and they were like, is it really okay? I don't know. And it's like they would test the waters a bit and then they'd be like, no, that doesn't feel all right. And it was a really delicate dance of me learning to be more comfortable with the feelings and to say like a full body, yes, yes, I welcome this and this is really powerful and yes I'm here and I'm listening and them actually then trusting me enough emotionally to go okay I can bring it to you and you're not going to tell me I'm wrong and you're not going to shut it down or you're not going to distract me from it you're you're okay with it so in the beginning it was a delicate dance of exactly what you say me finding the capacity and the spaciousness within me to meet the feelings and my children kind of going all right is this is this okay so you know I think it's really important if you are coming to this and you're thinking my child isn't crying to as you said be deeply compassionate to yourself because the only message we have been taught the language we've been taught in our culture is be happy you know think on the bright side like (laughs) you know you know push that down let's keep going you know that's the narrative that we've got it's like it's embedded in ourselves because that's what was done to us so this is a massive leap it's a massive leap and so I think it's really important to be compassionate to ourselves to go, okay, I'm changing a massive pattern here that um, can take a little bit of time and a little bit of practice. And so we have to be gentle with ourselves with it and also not make ourselves wrong, as you say, that they might not be crying or releasing and know that there are things that we can do to, um, to facilitate it. Yeah. And um, so often what's required then in us, isn't it? It's not just like the information and the willingness is actually we need to, um, exactly as you were talking about in terms of being more comfortable with those feelings in us, it's often that's, and that's why we talk so much in here about having an empathy buddy or a listening partner or seeing an aware parenting instructor or having someone where we can express our feelings because so much of the journey is getting more and more comfortable with being with those feelings in our bodies because basically our child is 
feeling some really deep feelings, perhaps they're raging, and actually we feel incredibly uncomfortable with our, the, the, our own rage in our body because no one was ever present with us when we felt those feelings and tried to express them. We, it, we can't really um, sidestep that process. We can't just skip over and go, okay, I'm going to be really present with you whilst you're feeling rage if we are completely uncomfortable with any sense of rage in our body. So, so often that's why it is such a parallel process that we need to support um, ourselves in in getting more comfortable and often it's that through playing the edges of that with somebody who is really comfortable with that feeling in their body so that they can just go yeah welcome all your rage and you know you get to try that out and start to feel actually what you you know how you feel what the sensations of rage are how how do you feel in your body how do you feel when you're expressing that rather than probably the dissociate probably dissociating or suppressing or whatever else it was that you did um, when you felt those feelings so it's just mm. such again that's where we often go isn't it? like a you know aware parenting or looking at a child it's such a deep huge process to go through because we it requires a, a reparenting in ourselves we can't we really can't do it to to them we do it with them yes I love that we do it with them it's as you're speaking I'm, I'm remembering many years ago I worked with a family who um the father was in and out a lot and mum really kind of wanted to to listen to her bubba's feelings but it felt so big for her she didn't know how to do it and so um, she would pay me to come over and hold space for her baby to cry and so I would listen to um, this little one's feelings and and this little one would have a really big cry and mum would kind of be around and then you know the little one would have a big cry. Can I just say for anyone who's new to aware parenting this is always in loving arms so this is like Leo holding the baby this is always you know deep close present. Yes, thank you for saying that. I'd be with the baby listening. I'm here. You're doing a beautiful job. And this is, again, was always after the baby had been fed and all all the needs had been met. And then the baby would often have a beautiful cry with me and then relax and often go to sleep. And then I would sit with mum and then mum would have a big cry and I would listen to mum's feelings and she would talk about it. And, 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 you know, this beautiful mum, you know, wanted to change what was happening with her daughter, you know, and, and learn how to create that space for her. And this mum had never, ever been held in her life when she cried, had never, ever been able to express her anger and upset and have another person sit there and say, I see you and I hear you. And I think she knew how powerful it was to have this experience, to see firstly how it could look modelled, you know, me doing that with her beautiful daughter, but then also holding that space for her so that she had an experience in her own body what it felt like. And then after we worked with that for a while, then she was able to do it for her daughter. And then that's where it began to shift and change. And and it was such a beautiful, it was such an honour for me to do it, you know, to go and be. And this little one, when the times when I would walk in, this little one would giggle and laugh when she saw me and we would play for a few minutes and then it was like she'd look at me and she'd go, okay, let's begin. <laughs> and she would start crying and I would just be with her loving. It was so so beautiful. It was such an honor to do it. And and it taught, I guess, the mum how to how to be able to um, work and sit with her own feelings so that she could do this for her daughter. And that's what allowed her then to to practice this because it it, you know, I, I see it a lot with clients as well, as I'm sure you do, Marion. So many of us have never actually been held or listened to when we have big feelings, you know, and and as we've talked about here, our culture doesn't really support that. And that is why it can be so big being with our kids' feelings. And I love that you mentioned that 
when we come back to our capacity to be with the feelings within us, you know, really is reflected in our capacity to be with the feelings with our kids. And this is why, you know, so many mothers we work with often talk about that mother age that we talk about, which is those, that anger and and just rah that can often come out when you're a mother. And particularly if we've been good girls most of our life, it can feel very shocking because all of a sudden we are so angry at our kids or we're frustrated and, and it can feel so overwhelming, like what's wrong with me? And really it's often an accumulation of all that rage and anger and hurt that maybe we haven't been able to express. And and then, you know, of course, when we work with mothers like that, we say, well, you need to take that anger somewhere and you need to go and express it and and take it to a empathy buddy, a listening partner, a therapist or someone where you can actually be heard because then you are not going to be so reactive with your children and you are also going to have the capacity to listen to their feelings as well. Now, I had to do this for myself, right, because I was a very good girl growing up and that's why I kept distracting my kids from their feelings because I was like, no, no, we're all just happy where you look happy all the time. And, um, and so when I started to do this listening with feelings, like all my, all my stuff came up and I had to talk to someone about it a lot because it sat there. It was just like, I can't meet this unless I do it. And over the years, you know, and probably the same with you, Marion, um, anger now is like, yeah, like not that I feel angry often, but if someone's angry, I'm like, yes, bring it. Come on. What else? tell me more like I'm like you are doing a beautiful job here because behind this anger there's all these big feelings that are going to come out and when they are released and they are heard you are going to feel so amazing and this is beautiful and, and healing and so it's taken me many years to learn how to do that and be in that place but it doesn't I don't feel rocked at all anymore I celebrate it I almost smile when someone's in that because I'm like yes this is powerful let's go I I can hold this and that's again the goal of what we're wanting to get to with our kids is that when they walk in and they're so full of fire and anger we go yeah tell me all about it I am here I've got you I can meet you in this that's what's so powerful because if we think back to being kids that's all we really wanted from our parents as well is for them to meet us in our feelings emotions and say yes I see you it's here come on I'm listening that's that's most of what we all wanted right and so as we learn to do that within ourselves that's what it began um absolutely helps create that emotional safety for our children then to be able to to bring those feelings to us Mm, it's so wonderful, isn't it? Seeing that transformational, experiencing that. I remember that for myself. I was I didn't even uh, hardly ever felt angry or rage as a younger person, and and to to, to to, and then years of judging myself if I did. So all the layers of the things that get put on top of that as well, the suppression, the dissociation, the judgment, to then actually just be able to feel the beauty of that and the and the life energy that is held. In, in those feelings and you know all that all the, the fight or flight in there that we didn't get to complete you know just so, such a beautiful energy but how can we possibly feel really comfortable with that if we've never ever ever had someone actually just have th- th- that response you know great I'm here with you I, I really hear your rage I'm welcoming and that they feel completely calm and comfortable I mean how how could we Yes. So I think so often people kind of expect themselves just to be able to suddenly jump there and be able to listen to all these big feelings in their children, whereas actually it's it's much more of a parallel process because, of course, we don't need to be completely 100% comfortable with all our own feelings before we listen to our children's. Otherwise, they'd probably be, you know, 18 before we could start. It's more like a parallel journey. And I know for me as well, I really experienced listening to their feelings and actually that really 
feeling more and more comfortable too, the younger parts of me having that sense of being heard while, while us, whilst I was listening to their feelings of like, mm. oh, yeah, I love seeing their the big, big feelings and actually the, the younger parts of me getting that reflection too. So you, know, you don't need to, uh, you know, do 20 years of therapy before you start mm. listening to your children's feelings, but it really helps to be consistently having some place where someone who can be with your feelings is listening to you. Yeah. Beautiful. So I think if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, yep, my, my little ones distract themselves from their feelings. And so this is, you know, where parenting, we would call it a control pattern. So what a child does or adults do to not feel. And so this can look like thumb sucking. It can look like wanting to eat all the time. It can be wanting to be on the iPad all the time. In adults, you know, we talk about it could be drinking all the wine, eating all the ice cream, online shopping, like just pick your thing that we do. You know, and that is the body's natural defense mechanism on some level to soothe themselves, to cope with what's going on. So as we've done many episodes on this before too, it is not wrong. It's the body just saying, hey, this feels really big. I can't let it out. So what am I going to do to to make it okay for myself? So I think, you know, one of the most important things is, as we mentioned before, the first place we have to sit in is compassion for ourselves to go, okay, yep, what is the culture we've grown up in, which doesn't necessarily encourage or support what we're doing. The second piece is, you know, what we may have passed on by what our children watch us do as well with our feelings. So are they learning that? And then, you know, I often come back to, well, then what we are wanting to do is just be curious around it of watching and observing where our children don't move into their feelings and what do they do. So, you know, you can see that your child's agitated or upset and then the next minute do they just... um you know, keep themselves so busy so they don't have to feel or do they run out of the room or do they ask for the iPad or do they want more food or what is it that they're doing? So I think the first place when we're working with this is that attunement to watch and observe. Ah, I can see there they just checked out a bit or I can see there that they're distracting themselves or I can see that they're glazing over because they're like, yep, I'm not going to feel. And obviously, you know, what we know within this is that when children move towards control patterns, what they're doing is kind of numbing or disassociating in those moments that that only lasts for so long then the next thing will happen and then the feelings will come up again and then they either look for the same thing or they distract themselves in another way so it's kind of this ongoing thing and then often what we see is children who feel really agitated in their bodies who perhaps don't sleep well find it hard to concentrate you know there's so many other things that come from uh, what happens when children do numb their feelings. And again, the, the same applies to us as adults. So I think for me, always the first step is curiosity, what we're watching, what we're seeing in our children when they do it. And again, being curious and going, ah, I can see there was something brewing there. And then they just kind of checked out or they did this thing or they asked for that. So the first step is being really curious about when they are doing it, what's going on and and what could we do in those moments to help create more of that emotional safety so the feelings can start to come out. Mm, I think that's such an interesting process, isn't it? The more and more we observe, and I really remember that in my early days of parenting, starting to be able to see things and starting to recognize them. It's such a beautiful process, isn't it? Because it also invites then more more connection because in order to be observing our children a lot, we need to be connected with them. And I think then that is also part of this process to actually help them um, you know, create this beautiful, welcoming environment for their feelings. So getting clear and clear. And I remember I got to a point where it's just like, it just became so obvious to me, like exactly what was going on for them internally by, by their behavior. It's like, I could just tell 
you know pretty much anything by observing them so there's this beautiful process where we start to to look you know what are they making eye contact are they when they ask for the for the next book or whatever it is the next cookie whatever it is you know what kind of tone are they asking in and, and we start to see paradoxically if they're asking in a really agitated tone that often actually means not an unmet need but actually they're you know they've really got some feelings that they're desperately trying to to suppress or dissociate from just like us you know whenever you're really desperate for a cup of coffee or to get on and buy that new dress or whatever the thing is that's the if we're desperate to do it, it usually tells us it's been directed by some some feelings that we're trying to not feel again with so much compassion for ourselves and I love what you said then is when we observe them we can also start observing like well, how do we respond when we're observing them doing that thing because that's that's another thing to notice is often we are not noticing those opportunities to actually move in to to connect and to then do the next step which is really the tangible ways that we can support them once we've done the emotional things and we've really supported ourselves to to start feeling more connected in our bodies and to start feeling more feeling more comfortable with our feelings and to less and less distract them when we see that they've got feelings is actually the, the tangible things that we can do in aware parenting to actually support those feelings to come out i would say generally the uh, most helpful ones are uh, attachment play, um, listening to crying if it's showing up and just not distracting and just listening and reflecting and saying things like, I'm here with you, I'm, I'm listening and not doing anything very much where we would normally go into to fix or loving limits. So, so those are probably the three of the main things that we can actively, proactively do to support them to then actually express the feelings. And I think um, oh, I want to come back to those things in a minute too, Marion, but I think one of the things that I have found in in those early years of parenting is sometimes what they were doing in resisting their feelings or those control patterns, I was pretty happy with <laughs> because there were times where I was like, oh, good, they're quiet. <laughs> so they're like, and now this is showing my age because for my son it used to be Bob the Builder and we had this the one <laughs> It wasn't even a DVD. It was a VHS video, right? This is how old I am. A lot of people might not even know what that is. <laughs> and he'd want to watch the same four episodes. I could recite that whole DVD word for word. Like you parents are so lucky. You don't know how many episodes you have access to that you don't have to watch the same Bluey episode over and over again, right? Anyway, I digress. Uh so there were times when I, you know, when I now look back and think they were wanting to distract themselves from their feelings and I was kind of happy for it because I was like, oh, good, they're not bothering me or they're quieter, I can make dinner. So I want to just offer that as beautiful compassion and empathy to you. There's times where you're like, yeah, good, eat more chocolate, I don't care. Like I, I'm done, I have nothing there. And I think that's such an important thing that you just brought up is we have to have the emotional capacity to be willing to listen to the feelings that might be there. And so one part of our mind might understand the theory and go, yeah, okay, they're really agitated. They've got to let feelings out. But the other part of our body is like, oh, God, I just I don't want them to have a meltdown. And so then we've got this like, you know, we've got this mixed message going on there. So, of course, the child's like, well, part of you telling me to do it, but you're not. And maybe that is where that that lack of emotional safety comes, that they're really hearing, yes, I'm really willing for you to do that. So be curious about that. No judgment, right? We're all human. We're all coping. We're all sometimes just surviving. We're all getting through. And what I learned within that, there were then times where I did have capacity to listen. And so I would say no about putting on the DVD or the VHS video or the biscuit or whatever. And I was willing to sit there 
and hold space for the feelings that came. And that usually for me I found came from a limit, setting a limit, and then they would move those feelings. But I think it's really important to just remember, oh, you know, in our world where often we are not supported in the way that we want to be supported, it makes a lot of sense while we're like, yeah, just do the thing, right, because it's it makes my life easier. But coming back to what you were saying before, Marion, you know, one of the best ways to, you know, that we often both talk about to create that safety around the feeling so that it does feel safe enough for the child to release them, play is just one of the best ways to bring more of that connection and safety so the feelings can come up. And um, we, we've talked about this in quite a few podcasts before when we do something like a special time or non-directed child-centered play. That's such a mouthful to say. Isn't it? Very long. <laughs> yes. So when you're having one-on-one playtime with your child and maybe you're rumbling, you're wrestling, you're playing power vessel games, whatever, the beautiful elements of those play brings that connection. And then when we say, okay, that's we're stopping now or a timer goes off, then feelings will often come up and, and parents will often be like, oh, we play and then they end up crying. And we're like, yes, it's amazing, right? Because the play has created enough of that safety and that connection for the child to go, oh, okay, I'm feeling connected to you and now he's what's sitting underneath. And so play can be such a brilliant brilliant way, can't it, when a child is starting to retreat or shut down or not do it, is to move in with playfulness. And we've talked about that before, you know, if a child's sucking their thumb, it might be coming in and going, can I have a taste of your thumb? Or do you want to try mine and being playful or just touching that part of their body or you know, um, giggling or just something that brings that playfulness. Because as we talk about, the antidote to suppression is connection, which means that when a child is wanting to numb you know, that when we bring in that playfulness and that connection, then they're more willing to stay open and perhaps feel what's going on. But sometimes that's a bit of a game. You know, I've shared my daughter, uh, my middle one, you know, when she had big feelings, she often would go away and hide. So she would go and hide under a doona and she'd kind of do the go away, don't come here and really what she was doing was like I'm just pretending it's not happening I'm just disassociating and so she'd often go and hide and and it became as I began to work with that a bit of a game where I would go in and she'd be like go away and I'd take a step back and then I'd come in a bit closer and then I'd kind of put my fingers under the doona like you know they were little you know a little creature and then she'd kind of like you know touch them and then I'd pull them back and we would do this like play of in and out and stuff like that to create enough safety for her feelings then to come out and it was a bit of a dance now that was her way of actually you know her way often of not feeling was to just go into a bit of shutdown um and so I had to learn to work with it with that my son's was probably being was distracting you know he maybe wanted more screens or doing being busy and so you know I often had to use more limits with him saying no around stuff and then that's where his feelings came and then my third child is you know we've talked about here doing away parenting with her from when she was a baby I found that she didn't really suppress any of those feelings she just would walk straight in the room and go I am angry (laughs) or just bring it I didn't have to work hard for her feelings at all and and I really do see that as from having done it from when she was really little and learning how to be with those feelings but my older two you know such a beautiful gift to teach me about how to meet them and work with them in their own way one was really using play and that safety and going slow the other was setting limits around it so that then he could push up against that and his feelings could come out but it was you know being really curious again around where have I not made it okay for them to express their feelings what are the messages I've given them and how do I keep working on creating enough safety for those feelings to come up. 
Mm, yes, I love all that. And another thing as well, I think to be really holding in mind, particularly if it's a really clear, like your child is clearly mildly dissociating or suppressing feelings, perhaps with their thumb sucking or twirling the hair, picking their nose, or whatever the thing is, is we, I find we need to have this kind of quality of of um, love, like absolutely almost unconditional love for them whilst they're doing that thing. And often, oh, the birdies are here. Often that's really hard if we are judging them or judging ourselves or judging the control pattern. Or often what I find too is that, especially if we've had that similar thing ourselves, so often I think this comes up around thumb sucking, for example, is that if your child sucks their thumb and you sucked your thumb as a child, often all our own feelings in relation to that, I know we've talked about this before, will show up and they will actually get in the way because we've got all these feelings about how we were responded to at those times, or perhaps that nobody saw, or nobody actually understood when we were sucking at them. You know, people often say, don't they? Oh, that's cute. You know, they're sucking with them. People didn't understand. They were actually mildly dissociating when we we're doing that. We had, we were actually feeling upset. So often if we're not able to come in with that quality of I love you unconditionally whilst you are sucking your thumb or picking your nose or being on a screen for however many hours or whatever the thing is, um, again it's less likely that they're going to feel that sense of like oh, if we're coming in with this energy of i have to stop this control pattern right now because otherwise they're going to end up x y and z or oh my gosh i feel all this fear because i know what it was like for me and i you know sucked my thumb until i was 10 or whatever the thing is again we don't have that quality of of the of energy in our bodies that is really required and again this doesn't mean we need to have it a hundred percent but just sometimes you know basically if you're doing this and things aren't shifting for your child again the invitation is is this reminding you of any of you of anything did you do this yourself when you're a child what's happening for you what are you telling yourself what's going on so that again that we can really come in with us really this quality of i love you unconditionally whilst you're doing this and i really and sometimes I've, I've worked with parents who have also gone in and literally said, you know, even to their babies who maybe are sucking their thumb, seems to be we're talking about that one a lot today, to say, like, you know, to literally talk to them and say, you know, really totally understand that you really needed to do that, sweetheart. And I'm sorry for all the times I haven't been able to listen to you. And I totally love you unconditionally while you're doing that. And I so support you in doing that. And now I understand or now I have more spacious in me, spaciousness in me to listen to those feelings that you're holding in. So, you know, sometimes we can even say that kind of stuff to them. But the, basically, the more we can move in with that open, welcoming, loving, like I love my child whilst they are eating a million chocolates. <laughs> That's, again, going to give them that quality of like, oh, gosh, that emotional safety, because basically, they, as we talk about so often, they have this capacity inbuilt to heal from stress and trauma. They have this ability to cry and rage and play and laugh and do all this vigorous movement to release all these feelings and the stress from their body. It's basically, you know, the culture and us that have, that have kind of got in the way and again, without any sticks. So we can, we can reverse that. We can, and they, we can support them to really reclaim that natural ability they have. And the other thing I did want to say just quickly is also that we can think a lot about suppression and dissociation, but children who are hitting or biting or throwing or just running around all over the place and not able to sit still, they are also, uh, we could say resisting feelings. I don't even really like that phrase, but they are also feeling feelings or they're not feeling feelings. Actually, they're trying to avoid feeling feelings. So I think we can also overlook that, that those they're doing the same thing. They're just doing it in more that kind of 
outward, more fight or flighty type of way rather than the dissociatee suppressing type of way. So again, we can move in with the same things, the connection, the attachment play, the loving limits. Same mm -hmm. things work, but just kind of we play with them in a bit of different ways, depending on whether it's more internal or external. Yeah, beautiful. I think our episode we did on aggression is such a good one to that speaks to that a lot around when kids are very out with as in that, as you're saying, that real fight or flight nervous system kind of buzzy, not moving into the feelings. That's a really good one to listen to. And as you're talking, I'm thinking a lot about teenagers because teenagers are on my heart at the moment. And I think one of the things that I see that can turn up a lot with teens too is in their natural states, often as they kind of withdraw a little bit to, you know, as they're figuring out who they are and they become a little bit more private around stuff. Uh, many parents I speak to who often go in and they're like, what's wrong? Tell me what's going on. There's <laughs> this poking almost at them going, what's happening? What's going on here? And, you know, and I don't want to really genderize this, but, you know, often for men and perhaps boys, you know, that sitting there talking about their feelings for two hours is not necessarily something that they're going to do. And there's a different way that they're usually happy to communicate and share. And sometimes that's doing something together. Sometimes it's kicking a soccer ball or taking the dog for a walk. It's sometimes it's parallel stuff that you're doing, not face-to-face -face eye contact where they might start to talk about it. But I also find too um, that particularly with teens as well, if that when we're going in and we're just like, what's happening here? And we're, we're kind of pushing in those ways, that again isn't necessarily the safety to allow the feelings to come up. And so some of the things I say to parents of teens all the time, just go and be with your teen for 10 minutes without asking anything of them. Just go into their room and don't say, you know, pick up your wet towel off the floor and have you put your lunchbox in the dishwasher and have you done your homework? And because we're often asking stuff of them all the time, just go be with them. Go lay in their room and go, what music are you listening to? And, you know, have you watched any funny TikTok lately? Or just, just be with them without asking anything of them, without any agenda, because that to them is is that safety as well. You know, you don't necessarily go to a teenager and go, do you want to have special time together? Because they'd be like, no. <laughs> uh, you know, it's those micro moments where you go and just be and connect without asking anything of them that builds that kind of emotional safety. And I often find that when we do that and, and they get that sense of that we just want to be with them without asking of anything, that's often when the safety comes up and then that's when they go, hey, this is what's going on at school or I'm thinking about this and then there's often a lot more willingness to share. So that safety again of um, us not coming in too hot, like really just being present, you know, um, creating that warmth almost to say, hey, I love you and I see you and I'm here for you and there's nothing that's too big that you can't tell me you know, particularly because teens are often talking more and processing it, they need that as well. You know, for our little ones, often they are bigger expressions of feelings and there's can often be anger and tears. And, and we still see that in teens as well, but often teens are more willing or often, you know, their brains are more developed that they can actually talk about what's going on and still cry and all those kind of things. But they need that emotional safety as well, you know, and that can just look a little bit different, you know, just it needs to be tweaked a little bit. I also wanted to mention too, because I think this is one thing that many parents talk to me about is that their kids will often run into their room and say, go away, or they'll kind of, you know, they don't want to feel their feelings by usually creating distance between you and them. We have got a great episode called Go Away, which really talks about 
when our child is yelling in the room, go away, leave me alone. And, and you know, we really recommend going back and listening to that because it's a really great one that talks about the beautiful dance of the sweet spot of bringing enough safety and the feelings coming to the surface and being able to release them. So go and have a listen to that. If your child is one that runs away and tells you to, you know, go away and not be here because we've got some beautiful um, information in that one. But that, again, when a child runs away and hiding and sometimes parents, again, they're like, oh, good, they'll go into their room, calm down, and then they come out and they're fine. But I would invite you to go, are they really fine, right, if you really tune into them, what's happened? Because children are still learning to be with their feelings and emotions and it feels big and overwhelming being with those feelings on our own. And often when they do run away into their room and they are kind of numbing, you know, the the internal dialogue within that is it's not okay to feel it. So I've just got to, you know, push it down or I've just got to dissociate a bit and then I'll come out and be happy again. You know, what we're thinking about, what we're wanting to teach them on a bigger, you know, on a long-term scale is, hey, when you've got feelings, it's okay to feel them. It's okay to express them. And I'm here to support you if you need within it. That's the message we want to give them. So even though sometimes it can feel like, oh yeah, they just go away and have the meltdown and then they come back and then they're all right. You know, I would invite parents to kind of stay closer and be in there and see what happens um, to see if we can get to some of the hurt that's sitting underneath. Yes, and I think that's where we almost come full circle again, isn't it? We're back to that beginning point, because I think that's so often where we, you know, I hear this so often from parents, I'm sure you do too, is starting to, to move in closer and then the feelings get bigger and louder. And often the, you know, are they, I hate you, actually, we're going to talk about that in a future episode or the go away or that, you know, they start, uh, you know, crying and raging and like vigorously moving or maybe like trying to lash out. And that's where we might go, Oh, and rationally we might say oh you know well you know it's not meeting the need for choice and autonomy and of course you won't always want to hold that in mind but often more often is what is going is like oh there's some big feelings here and, and I'm starting to feel my big feelings and I'm starting to also feel all the times actually this is what I really wanted to do and nobody was here and I did need to just go on in my room and do whatever I did to, to actually not feel so it's so normal and natural that we just want to go okay, I'm just going to go, yeah, they'll be fine. I'll just go and do something else. That's the point where we notice ourselves doing those things and we don't move in to, to those edges and actually support them to actually really go in and feel those really big feelings and actually cry really loudly or rage really loudly. We can notice again those points where we move away from that and that's the invitation to actually go in and connect with our empathy buddy or whoever it is and to go gosh you know what's actually coming up for me at those moments because if we don't address them you know it's easy to just keep going okay you know dissociation is really easy and again we talked about this recently uh, when we reviewed Aletha's book it's really socially acceptable to have to just be quiet and you know for a child that might be reading a book or just being a teenager on the screen it's really kind of easy it's kind of easy but it's not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just comes out in other ways, doesn't exactly. it? It comes yes. out sideways in other yes. ways. Yeah. And I just want to say when you were saying that, Marion, um, yeah, I find it's really important for parents to hear. There's been plenty of times when my kids have been upset and they've run into their room and I've gone, mm, yep, no, nah, I'm not going to go in there <laughs> because I've been like, I just, I don't want to and I just don't have capacity and, yeah, they've come out. They've kind of been okay and time has passed. And, you know, I could feel bad about that or I could just be like, I don't have anything in me. Yet I always will make sure in the next day or two that I will 
tune in and I will find spaces to pick that back up again. And I think that's a beautiful thing about it where parenting is that we're not going to meet every need for every feeling and every expression and every bit of attachment plate. We're just not, right? We, we're not. So there's times where we're going to miss it. or There's times where we're going to see that our kids are shutting down and stuff like that. And I think that if we just are aware of it and we I always used to clock it and go, yep, I just haven't met that. Okay. I will. Oh, oh tomorrow, the next day, I will find more places where I can connect or I hold space for feelings. And I always just trust that they will come out and they do they always do come out when the time is right so I just wanted to say that that this is not about a you know making sure we meet every place or follow them or bring attachment play every time you can see them checking out there's times when you're not going to be able to and you're like that's okay right but it's it's working if we're doing more of listening to the feelings than we are ignoring them then we're doing better right that's what we want to get to we want to get to the place where the default becomes the child knows I do want to express these feelings and you know what I definitely found I've shared this story before is when children know how much better it feels to let these feelings out and feel in balance even when you try and distract them from the feelings they won't take it they'll be like nah here's what I'm feeling I've shared this story my daughter once before was just I could see all the feelings brewing and I was like oh I just don't want to listen and I literally said to her do you want a treat do you want some chocolate <laughs> she looks at me so outraged going I don't want sugar I want you to listen to my feelings and I was like oh my god I just taught you so well that, you know, I can't even get you to suppress them. And, you know, and I was like, come on, let's go. And then, you know, she had to be, you know, she released it all. It was beautiful. It was just, it was actually a beautiful reflection of like, yeah, she knows it feels better to get it out. And that's where we want to get to. We want to get to that they know, even if they avoid a little bit, that they're going to finally come, yep, here it is. And I want to, you know, it feels better to move it because it does feel better in our bodies when we do move it. Yes, exactly. I always used to have a little phrase. I'd be like, well, tomorrow's always another day. Like every new day, I would see it as a fresh start. Like whatever had happened, even if it had been really hard and I'd done things I really wish I hadn't, I knew that was another day. And there would always be new opportunities where they have another go expressing those feelings that I hadn't listened to the day before. Mm. And the other thing I find really helpful is to really differentiate out. And I think we're aiming to do that all the time. This podcast is basically wanting to give you information to help you understand your children more and yourself more and information about how what you can do internally and externally to support that process and that is completely different from judging yourself you can have understanding and I think in this culture we've gone to this oh here's information and the next immediate automatic step which we've been taught and internalized is we'll judge ourselves that we've done something wrong but we're wanting to invite you to see if you're willing to to take in the information whichever fits with you or resonates but may there nothing to do with any sticks any judgment it's just like it's just information and more information we have the more the more we're likely to be able to do what we want to do and yeah so it's it's never about judgments judgment never helps anybody never ever The other thing I think is important, this is on a more practical level, is, you know, what do we model to our children about feelings? This is a really big one. Do we, you know, when we're talking about things like anger and if we get angry all the time, remember our children are just watching. So if we yell and slam stuff on the table or slam the door or those kind of things, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what anger looks like. Or if we feel really upset and we kind of don't want to feel our feelings, then they're watching us going, oh, yeah, that's what you do when you're angry. Uh, sorry, when you're sad. And I think I'm a big fan of of being really 
transparent with our kids around how we're feeling. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you get your kids to hold space for your feelings. That is never a child's job. But when we are sad or when we're upset, it's important to say, I feel sad and I need to have a cry or I'm going to just, you know, be outside for a bit or I'm going to talk to a friend because that makes me feel better. We, our, our kids have to see what this looks like and they have to see healthy expressions of it. And I think, again, if we think back to our culture that we've grown up in and if many of you think back to being kids, did your parents ever model healthy expression of feelings for you? Did they say, I'm really angry because, you know, someone at work is not pulling their weight and I'm really frustrated and feel this tension in my body and I want to go for a run because I'm to help move it and I've got to shake it out and you know is that is that what your dad did at the dinner table probably not um you know what was it that we were taught and I think that's also a really important thing that we talk about feelings and that we model what we do with our own feelings and and therefore our children begin to have a language around it they begin to see that it is okay to be sad and it is okay to feel frustrated and it is okay to to get angry and move it in a healthy way. I think it's really important that we come back to what are we modeling to our children here because kids can't be what they can't see, right? So we've got to show them what is possible. Yes, I love that. And I love all that you said about the language as well. As you know, I'm really passionate about that. And I think part of that is also giving accurate information to children. So, you know, if there's a, a child sucking their thumb or a child hitting, you know, we're actually starting to explain to them what's going on. Or, you know, if, if you know, Auntie Susie is doing something, you know, that we also start explaining in, in age appropriate ways. Oh, you know, it looks like, you know, it looks like they've got some feelings going on there that they're not getting to express. So, now, the more they understand this and it just becomes natural, like they understand feelings, they understand all you know the stuff that we're sharing here, they understand the relationship between feelings and behavior. And I just feel so amazed when I think about all the parents that I've worked with over the years and so many times where they start, you know, children really young just have this vocabulary, they understand, you know, that and they'll say to their own parents, and I think you need to have a cry because you, you know, you're you know, you're clearly really you know why are you talking to me like that do you, do you feel upset you know they and again it's not that they're taking responsibility and it's not their job to give us empathy but they actually understand the the whole process of feelings and what happens and how we repress them and what happens if we don't like they just get it and they they live in that world they understand it so easily and clearly and that's what they're born with and we're just really supporting them and actually staying connected with that innate knowing rather than what our culture does which is kind of strip it away and hide it down deep but it's always there it's always right there mm. yes I love that so I'm just thinking about perhaps the parents whose kids are numbing a bit or they're running into their rooms and not feeling I really invite you again just to be curious as we said right at the beginning of this podcast to just tune into how it feels for you to be compassionate with yourself and to know that sometimes it can take a little bit of time for it to move so you know, if you start upping the play and the connection and just watching that, remember that laughter is also a brilliant way to release feelings. And sometimes if kids aren't expressing yet with their big tears, then sometimes laughter is the way that we can start, you know, shaking it up a bit so that stuff can come out. And maybe that's where you begin. You begin with more attachment play and power reversal games and lots of laughter that brings that safety and connection so that it can open up a little bit. But I just wanted to say that sometimes it can take time. So you know, that that is where we keep working on that connection, lots of compassion for ourselves, 
thinking about do we need to express some big feelings first within ourselves so that we do have the capacity to be with our kids. All those beautiful steps will work towards it. And and if you still feel that you're really stuck or you still feel like, oh, it's just not moving, that's where having a session with an aware parenting instructor can be really helpful, can't it, Marion? Because sometimes we can't see our own stuff. And so sometimes being having conversations with someone else around it can really help us see where the story is playing out or what we're making it mean. Yes, exactly. And I think my invitation would be to, out of all the things we've talked about, do, have you had a sense of being more called to one or, or other? Like, are you having a sense, oh, you suddenly realise where actually you're distracting and that you maybe that you feel <clears throat> feel willing to stop doing that now with your child, like not, not doing that, should we play, should we play, and whatever it is, you know, in the bath time, they're starting to, to move towards crying, sort of rushing through that to actually just move in close and say, I'm here and I'm listening. Or, you know, what do you have a sense of? Do you have a sense actually there's some feelings sitting there for you? Do you have a sense you'd like to move it more with attached and play? Or maybe with loving them, it's like, what is it that you feel called to? Because, you know, we, we really trust that you actually know you, you have this innate wisdom and you know what the next step is for your family and for your child. And actually you, you've got that within you. Mm, that's beautiful beautiful advice yeah so I think this topic is really powerful because it's I think on one hand we've got parents that go my god my kids just have meltdowns all the time and the feelings feel too much and they're like I wish we could put a lid on it and then there's others that are like well nothing's coming out you know so where do we find the beautiful middle ground where we're like ah this is wonderful this feels good we know how to navigate and handle it and and we sit in that center place within ourselves so it's we've all got everybody's got their own story within it so um, you know both of us have had many many stories over the years of all the big feelings constantly and then others that aren't having the feelings that, you know, and I think it's um, we're all doing the best we can, right? We're all doing our beautiful kids, as we always say, are, are bringing our stories up to the surface as well. And that's another part of it. If our children aren't releasing, I, I've worked with quite a few mums who then go, well, I'm a bad mum because they're not releasing. And we're like, no, you know, this is again, what are we making it mean? What's the story there connected to it? So we're all, um, yeah, we're all we're all doing the best job we can. You know, I think it's so important, as we always say, to keep coming back to compassion and curiosity. And from that compassion and curiosity, we, you know, we can lean into some of these tools and see what can shift and change. Yeah, so whatever's coming up for you, we are just sending you so much absolute unconditional love and celebration and your willingness to even listen to, to this podcast and particularly this episode where it's so normal and natural to just to want to go and, Oh, no, I don't want to listen. <laughs> I don't want to listen to my own feelings. I don't want to listen to anyone else's. I just want to go and watch Netflix. <laughs> yes, totally. I love Netflix. <laughs> oh, I just, you know, when you think it's gold and you've just discovered a series you haven't watched and it's got like four seasons and you're like, yes. Do you know how many episodes of like checking out I can do? <laughs> like... <laughs> but also we want, I also remember too that, that in terms of, and we've talked a lot about this in terms of dissociation and control patterns that also that sometimes, you know, anything can be a control pattern and often the most of them can also be gateways to more presence. Watching and watching a Netflix, we can feel incredibly alive. We can feel invigorated. It can be something that we're actually trying to explore. We can heal. I do loads of healing through reading trashy novels. Always, always relevant to me. I always have a cry at some point. There's always, always speaking to me. Like, I know this isn't where parenting, but, and are you willing to have a healing experience through? I've, I, watching The Crown, I did some massive healing, as you remember, Lael. Like, it's always there. Like, yeah. yes, we can laugh and have fun. We can cry. I mean, you know, 
anyway, Netflix, we can do it that way too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here and listening. And, you know, again, we always really love your support and your um and your questions. And, yeah, we've got some beautiful episodes coming up, don't we, Mary? And we've had some really beautiful topics and ideas coming up soon. So we're looking forward to sharing more. Yeah. I did also want to say a little little add-on, some recommendations. Like if, you, if you're also you're new to Aware Parenting, um, we would recommend Aletha Salter's book. So I'd say for this one, probably Tears and Tantrums would be really helpful. And also um, Healing a Traumatized Child, which I think is an amazing book to really help you understand dissociation and fight or flight and actually how to support children. And if you're also new to this and you think, well, my child isn't traumatized, well, all children experience mini traumas. Not, not all of them might have experienced bigger traumas, but all children have experienced little ones. So um, I also wanted to talk about our offerings because you, but if you've got any places left for your immersion? I've got a few places left my immersion. It starts on Monday. So depending what? on when we release this and when people listen, if you were like, yes, that's me, then there may still be spots left. Yes. And also in terms of talking about teens, you've got your beautiful recorded um, teens. Oh, yeah, I have a great webinar, Connected Teens and Our Stories, which is really about, um, yeah, our own teenage pieces and then a lot of just some of what we've talked about today, how to stay connected to them and help our teens navigate these beautiful years. Yeah, I love teenagers. I know you do, and I love that you advocate for them. That just seems mm-hmm. so wonderful. Um, and I would love to offer, uh, I've still, my my new course that I love, my Web Parenting with Aaron course is still open if anyone wants to join. And I've also got, just opened my Loving Limits workshop, which is if you're in Australia and New Zealand and you want to, want to get your six-hour workshop for your certification requirements, that counts. But it's also open for any parents as well. So if you want to really dive in deep into actually really embodying loving limits that's that's coming up soon too so amazing lots of yumminess from both of us amazing (laughs) uh thank you for being here everybody and so much love to you thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast you can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.